Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. Another Friday, another podcast, and lots to talk about this week. A pretty interesting podcast that we have coming up, and I'll get into those details in just a minute. This last week, I just came back from Buses by the Bridge. Did a little one-day trip turnaround. I did a little video on it on my YouTube channel, so you ought to go check that out and uh, take a look at what uh, took place. A little 300-mile round tripper in the double cab, so shot down there and back in a day. Left my house about 8 o'clock and got home around 5 and uh, hauled the mail in the old trusty double cab. So that video is coming out. Uh, it's already out, so you guys can go check that out. Uh, coming up this next, toward the end of the month, I'm going to be headed to Octo and uh, also the Grand National Roadshow Show. I'll check that out on Friday and then go to Octo Saturday. So if you're out and about, you're going to be down there. Hit me up. Let me know. Uh, and uh, maybe we'll cross paths. So. This week's podcast is a good one. We Before we had a VW kid on the podcast, we also had William Noguera, who's uh, on death row currently. Uh, well, actually, he's no longer on death row, and some stuff has changed with, in particular to his case. But uh, he's been in – he was in San Quentin for over uh, 30 years, and now he's at Cochrane uh, facility. So we get on the podcast, and Bill was reaching out to me, and I, you know, we kind of talked with VW kid a little bit, and I wanted to kind of get into – what the early VW scene was like near La Puente, California. So uh, wanted to check that out and get, to kind of do a deep dive into what it was like on the early days of the VW scene where they were at late 70s, early 80s, and uh, we get into that pretty well. We talk a lot about the culture, the times, the music, and a lot of what, you know, what Bugs Buddies was all about back in the day. So uh, he goes in depth. It's a little raw. There's some. Uh, there's some definitely some insights to what that scene was all about back in the day. So I'm sure you guys will enjoy it. Definitely uh, an interesting story. So, uh, but don't forget if you if, <clears throat> if you like the podcast, leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts and get a shout out. Also pick up some merch and you get a shout out this week. I got a shout out for David Gencher. David Gencher out of Jacksonville, Florida. Picked up some merch in a sticker pack. Uh, appreciate him for supporting the podcast. So shout out to my guy, David. And if you want to support the podcast, you get a shout out as well. So support the podcast. Go to letstalkdubs.com. Click on the store tab and pick up some merch. I'm going to be having some new shirt designs coming out soon. And don't forget, you want to support our sponsors that sponsor Let's Talk Dubs. So VW Trends Magazine. Go subscribe today at vwtrendsmagazine.com. And also Ross Wolf. Go check out their website. Lots of cool aftermarket parts manufactured by enthusiasts for enthusiasts. Go to rosswolf.com. That's R-O-S-S-W-U-L-F.com. I also wanted to mention Lufthasa's Burn Your Oil 24 2024 competition pack. So for five bucks, you get a Klingon uh, oil change and a sticker pack from those guys. And what they'll do is you go use the QR code, you upload your mileage, and whoever puts the most miles in their VW gets free oil change kits for a year. And details are on their website. So check out the link down below, Lufthaus, L-U-F-T-H-A-U-S. Go check them out today at thelufthaus.com. The time has come for us to get into the details of this podcast. So we're going to discuss early L.A. VW style, L.A. style VWs, roundtable with Robert VW Kid. And William Noguera from prison on this week's Let's Talk Dubs. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. 
Okay, everybody. So on today's show, we've done some, uh, we did a couple podcasts in, in the past with uh, William Noguera and also VW Kid. And we, and we discussed uh, some of the early Cal style VW scene. But what I wanted to do is uh, take an opportunity, what, like what we're doing today, and we're doing a round table today. And, and, and on, on the podcast today, I've got uh, VW Kid on the podcast and I've also got William Noguera. So what we're going to do today is we're going to kind of take a deep dive into what the early LA VW scene was specifically near La Puente and what was happening in those days, late seventies, early eighties. So, uh, guys, welcome to the show. Thank you. So kid, where are you calling from? Where, where are you at right now? Oh, I'm in, I'm in Glendale right now. All right, and 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 William, where are you at? Well, I'm at the Corker Resort right now. So, for those who don't know, I'm actually at Corker State Prison. Uh, they're now telling me that I am no longer a prisoner, that I'm a resident, and that this is a resort. So, I'm going to go ahead and flow with that. <laughs> well, I like I that. Know, that's yeah, always always stay focused on the positive, right? So. Now, absolutely. When we talked earlier, you know, we, we we talked a little bit about uh, Bugs Buddies, and we got in a little bit of detail with two of you separately on the podcast. And I thought it would be really great to bring the two of you together, and maybe we talk about, you know, the early days of the VW scene over there in La Puente, and and kind of how things came together. So, I think maybe what we'll start off with is, uh, kid, let's talk about. Kind of, this call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. Let's talk about <laughs> no, let's talk about your entrance into the VW scene and kind of where where you and Bill's paths crossed, like and how how all that comes together. All right, so uh, I want to say about 1979. Uh, I had an older cousin. He was a low rider. He lived next door to me, and and his sister Eileen. She. Uh, was going out with a guy named Ronnie, and he was in a cowlick club from San Gabriel called uh, um, uh, the Proud Californians. It's the same club that uh, uh, Ray Mejia was in, uh, uh, Conrad was in, and they all had cowlick cars. You know, this is even before Ray had a logo on his uh, maroon oval window, and um, so I saw Ronnie had a clean '65. Uh, like smoke, smoke uh, gray, uh, cowlick car, one piece windows tinted, you know, the, the typical cowlick car, center lines on it. You had a 1776 with Weber's, and I didn't know much about Volkswagens. The only experience I had with the Volkswagen before that was Steve Tim's shop. I would see that his race gear, the beam machine, on Florence, the next city over in Bell, and uh, I, you know, I just I knew it was a some type of race car because all the stickers. Right, and I didn't know it was a Gia until like later on. So, you know, I I wanted to build like a muscle car, you know what I mean? Because I thought that those were the fast cars, right? This is like in '79, and uh, you know, I was like in eighth, ninth grade, and um, so what happened was uh, Rodney took me for a ride in his in his bug. That thing was fast, you know, and I was like, wow, this is cool. This is this is nice, you know. And so that was like the first time I even drove in a bug with, 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 with Ronnie. So that piqued my interest about the Volkswagens. Now, I grew up around lowriders my whole life. 
Union Park was a hotbed for low riding, just like La Puente. You know, we had Brown Breed, we had the Dukes, we had the Old Memories, we had all the lowrider clubs that originated or guys would fly their plaques. So, um, you know, but for me at that time, lowriding had a stigma. It was associated with, with criminal activity and, you know, and, and gangbangers and all that stuff, right? Yeah. And as a kid, I would see these lowriders on the, on the curb with their trunk open and the cops would have them out there, you know, sitting on the curb, you know? So like I'm like I don't I don't want it. I don't want that life man even though I love the cars you know my cousin was doing it you know he he had a he had a Apollo lowrider and uh, so I go well you know I guess the Volkswagens it is you know and then so I was going to school in, in Bellflower which is a little ways from Huntington Park mm-hmm. so you know my mom was like man I don't want to be driving anymore we're gonna find you a car you know back then we got I, I we got our license at 15 and a half you know and uh, and so. Like, okay, I'm gonna get a Volkswagen. So uh, you know, we went work looking around and then I went to uh to Burbank where I saw an ad in the recycler. The recycler was a newspaper back in the day, it came out on, on Thursdays, I believe. And I saw an ad for a you know, sixty six bug. It was in my price range. My budget was fifteen hundred bucks and it was for thirteen. So um my 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 older sister's boyfriend, we went to go look at it. He was a muscle car guy. So we went to go look at it. And I loved it because of the white with the red interior. I didn't know what a Pagali was. I didn't know it was a special edition, one-year-only car with the sunroof. But what, what I fell in love with it is because my cousins, who was a lowrider, his girlfriend at the time, her older sister was going out with the president of the car club called Brown Breed. And he had a beautiful 62 convertible white with the red interior. All original slams, you know. And so I fell in love with that color combination. So I go, man, that's the car. I want that bug with the white and the red interior. So, you know, I bring it home. And uh, prior to that, I was hanging out with Renee Relas. He was the youngest brother of the, of the Dukes family. And he was a little old. He was like three years older than me. Because he was he used to hang out next door at my cousin's house, you know, with all the lowriders and my cousins and stuff. So he would take me out to, like, all the hot spots, the cruising spots and everything. And you know, I was like 15, 14, 15. So he used to take me to this place called the center in La Puente. And that's when the first time I saw like the Bugs Buddies, like their cars, you know? And then there was another place called Geno's in, in Hollywood. And everybody's hanging out at the gas station on the corner. And that's when the first time I saw Bill's car, all slammed, original white with a rag top, bunch of chicks hanging out, bumping the disco music and all that. So I said right away, I go, man, I want to slam my car, you know? So um, I, I figured it out, you know, uh, my buddy David, we helped, we pulled the bars and did the, the, the clicks and all that. It's all original. And then uh, I, I was cruising around and um, there's a, another spot, high street called Solisian, and uh, they used to have dances. And after those, those dances, we used to uh, hang out at this place called The Hole. It's on the bottom of, of the Salesian High School. Yeah. And um, that's when I first met Bill. <laughs> he came up to me, man, and he was telling me, Gambio, Gambio, Gambio. I know that, man. You know, he saw my white bug, right? And uh, and uh, he goes, yeah. And I go, change, change. What, what do you mean? And he goes, that's a number job. It's a pan job. And that's how he first met, you know? And then uh, after that, you know, we just we just hung out and, and you know, with Renee, we take them to all the places. And I would see the Bugs Buddies everywhere. And they were like the guys, man. They were like BW royalty right. in, in the neighborhood. But they also had a bad reputation, you know. 
Yeah, you either love them or you hated them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Bill will tell you why. You know what I mean? Now, so, but I, I, I was fascinated <laughs> with them. I'm like, dude, these are the guys. They got all the chicks. You know, look, look at Bill, man. Good looking guy with all the girls. And, you know, he could throw down. He was tough. And, you know, and I'm a younger kid following these guys around, Renee and them, you know? Now, so that that's. Go ahead. No, no. It was, well, so Bill, what made you like when you saw his car and you came over and you said, and you said Combia, like what made you ask him if his car was like that? But see, this is whole that whole thing that I keep talking about when it comes to you know the Volkswagen scene in in Los Angeles area. When I said Cambio, Cambio in Spanish means change, and it, it was we used to call them changeovers, mm-hmm. and. What we what I learned very early on was that usually Hispanic guys that were in that club scene or in the disco scene or the L.A. scene, they had these fully original cars that were dumped to the ground with alloys or the moon hubcaps, just really detailed out. I mean, these cars look like they came off the showroom in like 1962 or whatever. And the only thing that was different about them is they were slammed on 135s and 165s, or like me, I had 145s in the back. Right. I was slammed. I mean, I was on the ground. When I would change lanes in the freeway, I would break off the reflectors off the freaking freeway uh, lanes. That's how slammed my car was. Right. But the thing was that there was a reason why I said changeover or gambia to this guy who was a Mexican kid, and he kind of resembled the kind of guys that I hung around with. It was because, and this is the truth, this is where the retro, retro look that everybody now talks about, and you look at every guy in these car clubs now, and they have all original cars or slammed on alloys. This look came from La Puente, California, specifically the Bugs Buddies. How that happened is because, and it, and it leads to why I said Cambio about his car, is because... Look, we didn't have any money. We were just kids that loved California bugs. But in those days, and I'm talking about 1977, 1978, right. the California look was basically a Volkswagen that was dechromed. They took the bumpers off the thing. They, they lowered the front. They put center lines on it, put a big motor, a stinger on it, and that was a Cowlick bug. And although, okay, it was kind of cool. I just, well, actually, specifically, Eddie Boyd Chacon and Adam Chacon, who are the president and vice president of the Bugs Buddies, they had a particular look in mind. And it was really, they had the love for the lowriders, the Imperials group together, all these lowrider clubs. But the truth of the matter is, and this is, this is the, the, the bare bones of where that look came from, we were to, in the car club, the Bugs Buddies, there was prerequisites to be in that car club. Mm-hmm. Number one, you had to be from La Puente, California. Number two, you had to be Hispanic. And number three, and most importantly, your car had to be a cambio. And what that means, it means a changeover. Eddie Boy and Adam realized because of the uh, the doom buddy scene that you could basically take the body off a Volkswagen, buy a pan, and then put another Volkswagen body up with no problems. You get a rivet gun and you're good. And that's where this look came from. The Bugs Buddies, and I can speak on authority of this because I was the seventh member made. Mm-hmm. In 1978, I was made. 
and I, uh, Robert will talk about this, the kind of reputation I had, but these cars in the car club were all stolen. Every car club, every car at, in the Bugs Buddies, and we numbered 18 of us, were all stolen. The car had to be 67 or older. It had to be a sunroof, rag top, or convertible. You have 60 seconds remaining. And it had to be immaculate. Now, I'll, when I come back, I'll tell you where the retro restaurant look came from and why. And anybody that says this isn't true, <laughs> they can come on the show and, you know, rebuff what I say because, like I said, I was in this scene in the mid to late 70s, and this is exactly where this look came from. And all these other Clark clubs are claiming to be Bugs Buddies. I'm still alive, and I can tell you who was in the car club and who wasn't. And I'm going to shock you with some of the guys who have gone in different magazines talking about there were one of us and they weren't. I'll yeah. call back. You have a prepaid call. You will not be charged for this call. To accept this call, say or dial 5 now. Thank you for using Global Tail Link. All right. William, hey, we got your back on. All right. So... Now you were saying yeah. at this time, so so kind of the prerequisites to be in this car club is you had to be from La Penta, and then you uh, obviously had to be Mexican or Hispanic, right, of some degree, and then you had to you had to be down to be in the club, like you. Had, <laughs> so you're saying all the cars in the club were changeovers. Every one of them was stolen, and I know because. The majority of them, I helped steal them. Yeah. So I know uh, Adam Chacon, Ad Eddie Boy, Larry, uh, Bobby, Charlie, me, all of them. And I can tell you why I actually – see, I, I grew up with these kids. We were hanging together at eight, nine-year-old kids. Eddie mm -hmm. Boy was a little bit older than us, but he had a vision. Yes, it's based on the disco, lowrider – original cars slammed to the ground. You know, you never see low riders that they take the, they shave the door handles or the chrome. They were all original. But the real reason, and it fits what we liked, is that we were broke. We didn't have any money. So we would go out and buy a wrecked Volkswagen from a dismantler shop. Or And by the way, I had a dismantler's license too at one point. So I was a junk man. So I got all the, all the wrecked Volkswagens. Yeah. So I would buy a pan or a wreck bug, 150 bucks, 125 bucks. That's what it cost me. I yanked the body off. I take for sure the VIN number that was in front of the, under the hood. I take it. I would throw away the body. And if I was, let's say I was taking, I had a 57 oval window. Well, I would go out and I would look around and look for a mint condition 57. And I would steal it. Look, I know people are appalled by this, but this is what the, you want the truth. This is what really happened. And again, I don't like to hell. I'm not a bullshit artist. I like to lay people the truth and whether they can, they can take it for what it is, but Robert will attest to this. So we would change the car over. Mm -hmm. We put the, the mint condition show car on the pan. We bolt it down. And of course that was it. We didn't have any more money. I mean, we were barely scraping by at those days, so we would, what would we do? We'd slam it to the ground. We'd, it, obviously, we didn't have money for paint jobs and all that stuff, so the car was already in mint condition. It had all the chrome, so it, there it is, a slam car. A little bit later, in 1979, we began looking for alloys. Most Volkswagens didn't have them. They had center, flight, center lines, they had Rivieras, they had chromies. 
They had spider rims with the MPs or five spokes, but nobody had alloys. And well, we started stealing Porsches. We take the alloys off, put the adapters on. So that's where the look came from of slammed original cars with alloys. And then of course, later we started taking cars with big engines as we evolved as a car club and me at the forefront, we started stealing, you know, cars with big motors. And most of the guys in the car club didn't understand 1641, 1756 or anything or 2180. I was the one because I worked at Mikey's Precision VW. I was one of their mechanics. Right. And I began to learn everything about the cars. That's how I became the sergeant of arms or sergeant at arms of the Buzz Buddies, the guy with the fastest car. So you had you had kind of the, the the mechanical ability you worked in the field you worked in the world of Volkswagens at the time and then kid runs into you at a nightclub over there like a teen nightclub where they have all the hangouts and stuff and you've got this super slick laid out bug and now kid you come from a thing of like you're trying to stay out of trouble but then again you're seeing <laughs> these guys and these are the cool guys right these are the cool guys back in the oh, day yeah Oh yeah, oh yeah. So your impression, and then, and then what happened was my buddy Renee saw. I think it was Adam's Red Neo. It was on smoothies, all original. This is like '79, I think. And uh, Renee bought it from Adam. Is that right, Bill? Did, did Renee buy it from Adam? Who had the Red Neo? Yeah. No. Yeah, he Renee bought. bought it. Actually, he bought the. Yeah. So, so, so he bought the Red Neo, and then. Uh, that's when we were all hanging out at, at, at you know, all, all the cool spots. And that's where the Bugs Buddies were, man, especially the center, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, Elysian Park or Whittier, all, all the typical spots. And I was just enamored with them, man. And that's, you know, at that time I had met Bill and uh, he, uh, you know, started more, I guess, towards, you know, when the, 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 the why he's in, in prison for that happened, he started hanging out r really a lot in my neighborhood. You know, after that happened, and that's when you know we became close, and and uh, we did a car together. He wanted a, a, a convertible, so you know we got a black with a white convertible. That's when it's a lowrider magazine, mm -hmm. and that was a combio, and um, we did that in Southgate. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that that's how that's how it was. Bill was the guy, you know. And now, Bill, tell me about like what what would be a typical a night going to the center, something like that. Like what was a typical, take me back to the place of like, what was, what was a typical day for you back then? Like you, it's a Saturday night, you guys getting ready to go out, do whatever, or Wednesday night going to meet the teen club. Like how did all that, what was that like? Yeah, there, it was, it was really special because the first time that, you know, I was considered one of the guys, I was about to get my first car, I, it, and I got a 63. This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. It was red with fully polished alloys. It had a, uh, a 1756 stroker with 44s. Just before I got it, I actually, you know, they would come to my house. And in, in this particular day, you know, it was the night of the center. Everybody's going to go there and they're going to go to nightclubs at night and they pull up to my house and all of them, I mean, just imagine this, you know, you're, you're a kid, you're, you're 15 years old and eight, you know, at that time, like 15 slammed on alloys with, you know, convertibles and, and rag tops pull up to your house and they're all playing the same tape 
the same disco song, and you can hear this guy for a quarter of a mile. Their stereos are all, they have amps in them, they're Concords or Pioneers, and you come out of your house, and everybody's there waiting for you, and you get in, and everybody caravans together on the freeway. It's, you know, all these bugs just, and you see it now, but back then it was unheard of. Man, you felt like royalty. As soon as I started, I mean, I already knew these guys, but when I started becoming like really close to them, it was like, I can't tell you the feeling. It, it was a, a gang, uh, best friends, a car club. It, it was just something, all that stuff put together. And it was supercharged with this look that the Bugs Buddies had. They, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. All these guys were, their cars were immaculate. They all had a particular look. They were good-looking guys. All the girls liked them. Some guys liked them and, and wanted to be like them, or other guys hated them. Other car clubs hated us. Right. So <laughs> it, was, sure. it was euphoric, man. What were the other car clubs around at the time? Oh man, like oh, like Robert was saying, yeah, the Brown Breed. There was Lightning Volks. There was, uh, you know, there was a DKV. There was just so many different car clubs. And you know, I was with DKV at one time before this. You know, I had a different type of Volkswagen that just sucked, and I was trying to really make it happen, but I couldn't. I didn't have the real know-how of how to change over a car. And before this, I was a muscle car guy. I had a 1971 Super Sport Nova that pulled 1160s in a quarter mile. And let me tell you, the reason I got rid of it, I lost to a Volkswagen. A freaking Volkswagen <laughs> with, a, with a turbocharged ate me up. Yeah. Do you know who that was? You know, I never... It, it was a little white kid with long blonde hair. He had a whale yeah, tail on it. It guy. was... Um, yeah, it was an Orange County guy. It was definitely an Orange yeah, County guy. They had money, right, to have a turbo, right, at that time. <laughs> yeah, he had a snail, and I didn't know what the hell it was. It didn't sound, when he revved it, it didn't have the kind of uh, response that a, a high-performance engine had. Right. It was a 1641. But this dude walked away from an 1160 Nova in the quarter mile. I could not believe it. And I, the next day, I went and sold my Nova. And got you a Volkswagen, huh? Oh, I went. And, yeah, I got me one, and, and that didn't work out. So I ended up doing the Cambio thing because I start. I became a member of the Bucks Buddies, and that is how the whole retro retro look started. Look, I've heard and I've read. Look, I'm like in I'm in this tower, and I was at San Quentin Death Row. I would hear all these stories. I'd read Hot VW magazine, and look, Robert is is, is well established in the VW scene right now. His split window was just the centerfold of Hot BW magazine. Mm -hmm. He has a very uh, respectable presence in that world. So I would read, you know, he'd send me the magazine and I would start getting angry. I hear all these stories of guys of these new car clubs now, specifically the, the German folks or whatever. Look, all respect to those guys. They got beautiful cars. They've taken things to a different level. And I appreciate that. What I don't appreciate is guys like that that want to somehow start saying that they were the ones that invented the retro cow look and how they do it by associating, associating themselves by saying that they're original members of the Bugs Buddies. Let me tell you this right now on this show so everybody hears it. And I know you have a huge following. There's not a member in the German Volks or German folks or any of those dudes that were a Bugs Buddy. 
How I know this is because between 1977 and 1983, December 20th, when I was arrested, I was the sergeant of arms of the Bud's Buddies. I am an original member. I'm not some guy that came in later. I am an original member. And I was the sergeant of arms. I knew everybody in the car club. Everybody knew me. And if you went to L.A. in that time and you asked who I was, they'd tell you exactly who I was. So if anybody else was in the car club or associated with, associated with the car club, I would have known it. Now, I, know, I do know who Ruben is, and Robert and I were laughing about this. He used to drive a, six, a white 65 fake sunroof, and it was kind of a copy of a VW Kids car. And one time he came and parked across the street from Precision VW. Now, Precision VW was owned by Mike Trelch. He won J-Brackets at Buggin at the time with a bug called Cashmere. It yeah. was a 2180-65 beige car with alloys. It was fast. So we were sitting there, and sure enough, we see Ruben pull up in the 65, and he's revving the 1641 with Cadrones or Solexes, whatever you want to call it, and he's pulled up against another white VW that's about a 71. And these dudes jump on it, and Ruben blows his freaking transmission. So you can imagine the laugh that we got when that happened. Yeah. So I do know who the guy was. He's not a Bugs buddy now. He never was one. So, and now, do you think the reason why people uh, maybe want to have an association with that is because of the of the reputation Bugs Buddies had, or what? I, I think. Well, I think like uh, Robert. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Robert. You, I, this is this is my 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 feeling. Is you know us '80s guys. A lot of us, you know, after the '80s, we got out of the scene. You know, raising a family, career, and things like that. But then, as we got older, you know, we went back to our first automotive love was the Volkswagen. So a lot of us '80s guys came back in. But meanwhile, a lot of clubs were 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 were, were still doing the Volkswagen thing, and uh, the, the the German folks, uh, 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 Pip, Pip, and all his guys, and all that they were doing, doing all that. And uh, when I came back in the scene, when they were saying that. You know, a certain club originated the style. I'm like, wait a minute, that doesn't that, that the math doesn't compute because those guys are all like '90s kids. You know, I go, we were doing this way before that. You know, and then I dropped my pictures on the samba thread, and that's when it like hit the fan. Everybody's like, what? But yeah, dude, these are my cars. These are all like '81, '82, '83, '84, '85. You know, and uh, and I told them it was a lowrider influence from the, from the get go. You know, mm -hmm. and I even mentioned the Bugs Buddies back then, but just just subtly, you know, because. Still, the Bugs Buddies for me back then, like they were hated, you know, for obvious reasons, right? And uh, you know, so I'm like, I gotta be careful when I when I throw that out there now, you know what I mean? And uh, and so, you know, come to find out, I see I see uh, uh, conflict and people saying that they originated the style, and other clubs said no, and then you know, and uh, but once I came back in the scene and my friends from the 80s and all that, and we had actual proof, pictures. You have 60 seconds remaining. And I was like, pictures are, it didn't happen because these are my pictures and they actually even dated. You know? Right. And that's when it went, you know, it blew up and all that, you know, and I guess, I guess a, a certain club was telling their members that they're, they were the originators and all that. And, you know, obviously it came out, you know, the truth always comes out and that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I think, and we'll get uh, we'll get in a few seconds. We'll get uh, we'll get William back on the phone here as soon as we, we get this. But yeah, yeah. They, they, yeah, they call back. Yeah, so there's a there's a whole you know 
I think the thing for me is like every every style begets another style, right? So you see a little bit of cow look, yeah. you put your own twist on it. You see some lowrider stuff, you put your own twist on it. Yeah, yeah. And that kind of yeah, yeah. feeds and builds into the styles, but especially when you're talking about you know that particular style that's fairly prominent in you know in the L.A. East L.A. area, like that's really it stands out quite oh, a yeah, bit. Man. Everybody wanted alloys, man. And, <clears throat> and you know the thing too, going going back to. Uh, the GFK, you know, I, I like, like Bill said, I give him much respect even to this day. This is Global Tail Link. You have a prepaid call from William A. Nogueira, an inmate at the California State Prison. So, you know, yeah. so I'm, you know, ultimately the the purpose of, of this whole podcast is to kind of just, you know, validate, like, maybe get a little more in depth of like the scene back then who's doing what, and then what eventually kind of comes from all that stuff, right? Like we know, Bill, you ended up going a different path. Robert, you you were in the scene for quite a while until like, what, early 90s or late 80s and you got out? Uh, 90, I want to say 91. And so with Bugs Buddies, obviously when things start, you know, when the, when the crew starts kind of having some rough times, losing members, stuff like that, what eventually happened with with Bugs Buddies and that whole group that was out doing all the stuff they were doing back then. Well, there was a you know the whole Bugs Buddies. Most of the guys were they stole cars and they all the cars were stolen. But they also were getting older, and some of the guys would just steal one or two cars to make their car, and that was it. Well, me and you know, Adam Chacon, we took things to a different level. And, and Robert, you know, I don't, look, it's for him to say how much is involved, but I always like being straight. And, you know, and Robert got involved. So at, some, at a point in like 1981, I began to, to deliver cars into Mexico. And they were high-end cars, Porsches, Mercedes, all high-end cars. Mm-hmm. And we really took that to a different level so we can support the Volkswagen, basically have it, call it a drug, because you know you, you start building engines with 48s, you start spending a lot of money, and you risk yourself trying to steal all the cars. So you know it, it began to evolve, and the guys, some of the other guys stayed in the club, but they were getting older. And you know I made some mistakes. I, I you know, I, I look at it now and I, I'm not bragging about it. It's what happened. So I try and state, state the truth there so they know what happened. So we get to the bottom of this whole, where the style came from. But I did some things I shouldn't have done. I, I took things to a different level. I, um, I got really hot, meaning police were looking at me and I didn't have any filters. And um, a lot of the guys, after I left in 19, December 20th, 1983, I was arrested. I was sent to prison. I spent 40 years nearly on death row, and now I'm at this, this, the Corcoran Resort, if that's what they, that's what mm-hmm. they want to call it now. But, but the truth is that I made a lot of mistakes, and once I left the scene, although some guys continued on, most of the car club began to fall apart. I think that's my fault. You know, I, I took us to a different level, and with that level, I think because of my bad reputation, and Robert will tell you, I mean, I, I didn't have a bad reputation just because I was bragging about it. I had a bad reputation because, <laughs> well, that's who I was. And yeah. um, the car club fell apart. I mean, a lot of the guys went to different things. They got married. They had families. And they walked away from something that was very true to them. A lot of them have stayed away from it. Uh, I don't think any of the original members of the Bugs Buddies are back 
in the scene. I mean, Robert has continued on. He's kind of a, you know, a second generation guy. He and I, I brought him in and things continued. And, and as I said, he has a very good reputation, but the car club kind of fell apart. I think in by 86, 87, yeah. The, I, I, most I, of the guys were not. 86, yeah. yeah. Wow. Now, and really, there's always an evolution, right, with a group of guys. And, and when the guys are young and they're in there and, and you come from, you know, the part of town where you're not getting a lot of parental supervision, you know what I'm saying? And on that, you're on the streets, you're doing whatever, whatever you're doing, and it kind of – you know, bad, just like good pushes good, bad pushes bad. You know what I mean? And when you're, when you're, so you're saying that when you took the club and you started getting into a lot of heat, it made a lot of people like it, it turned it up quite a bit where maybe some people, you know, weren't really comfortable or they got married, had some kids trying to get maybe changing their life and some things like that. And which is the typical evolution of most, most car clubs and things like that. And yeah. Especially when you guys start getting a reputation, it's not small, right? It, it's not it, it's not a big city back then. It's a small town. People start finding out, well, these guys are in trouble. So next thing you know, you guys are always being looked at when something's going on in that area, you know? Well, well, there was a task force, uh, the, the sheriffs, mm-hmm. uh, trying to trying to trying to break it up or find out about the the club at that time too. And now. William, you told, yeah. me, you told me one time you had your car got impounded. You, you, they picked up your car and took it. To the... <laughs> That's a crazy yeah. story. <laughs> so what, what's yeah, the story well, behind I mean, that? Robert, well, Robert is also involved in that story. So, look, this is towards the end. This is like towards the end of my career, if you want to call it that. But, yeah, I had a, a black with a white top, immaculate um, – convertible bug it was slammed with alloys had mud flaps on it which is a beautiful car it was in mint condition and as robert mentioned there was a task force from the higher patrol and the sheriffs led by a guy by the name of lieutenant sharf and lieutenant sharf became very aware of the bugs buddies the car club and the reputation that we had but more so that once we had established ourselves in the late 70s. A lot of Hispanic kids in Los Angeles in the 80s began to do these changeovers from cars in Orange County and other places. They'd take them, they'd strip them, or they'd do changeover. So he was on this task force, and I was coming home one day from La Harbora, and a sheriff pulled up behind me, flashed his lights, and um, pulled me over. And I just stepped out. He said, hold on a minute. Sit down on the curb. I was in the Harbor Heights, and I see a, 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 a plainclothes officer pull up, and I look, and I know who it is. It's Lieutenant Sharp, and he, you know, he walks up to me, and he says, wow, Bill, this has to be your best one so far. He says, pop your deck lid. He, you know, he pops the deck lid. He sees his monster motor, you know, all black chrome and, and brass and, you know, Recaro seats. It's just this thing is immaculate. He just says, well, and right when he says, well, here comes a flatbed, and he's impounding it. And I said, look, you got five days to prove it's, 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 uh, it's stolen, or they have to give it back to you. And they have to put, they put a stamp on it, a, a higher patrol stamp that's past inspection. So he took it, and you know, on the fourth day, I call him, and I, and, and I, I say, how are you doing? And I said, yeah, Mr. Noguera. We were just talking about you. The DNI are about to file charges on you. And I said, what, he's going to help you wax my car? And he says, no. 
we know where the car is from, and he, and he said the, the area that it was taken from, and, you know, <laughs> Robert can attest to that it was correct. And, um, well, my stomach clenched. I mean, it really did, because we mentioned the person's name, whose car it was, as well as the city it was taken from. He was absolutely right, which told me somebody close to me had talked to the cops. Mm-hmm. So... But he mentioned, he says, and tomorrow morning when we get the, the warrant for your arrest, when she comes to identify the car, we'll arrest you. So I sat back and I started thinking, Mike, there's no way she can identify the car. It looks totally different. But if someone pulled me into it, the, the cop shop and said, hey, this is your car. Someone stole it. And it looks like the car I had. They'd say, Shit, yeah, that's exactly right. That's the car. So, but, you know, he and I had this game going back and forth. He would try and catch me, and I would try to evade him. Well, the information that he gave me that really saved my ass was that he said, she'll be here tomorrow morning to identify the car. So I knew that she hadn't yet, and I knew that that car then had to disappear. So I called Robert. Of all people, I called Robert. I spoke to him and, and his buddy, and we went to go look at the police impound. And it was a 15-foot wall around it had cameras. It was not going to be an easy job. And, um, you know, Robert left and his buddy left and we went, we conveyed at the house and kind of talked about it and they went home and I did what I normally do. I took over. I went there that night at one Oh five, jumped the wall, stepped in, hit my electric fuel pump. Thing came on, hit my, my halogen headlights and started my engine and I pulled the car into the thing. I cut the gate, opened it, did a few other things that I won't mention. Uh, so the cameras were not on. The dogs were suddenly asleep. And I pulled that car out of there and I drove it off. Went to a buddy's house and I told him, cut it into a thousand pieces. And before, the, before too long, I, I jumped the fence of my, my wall of my home, stepped in the house, and three minutes later, there was a helicopter around my house. Lieutenant Sharp was there, and he was just, I mean, he was spitting froth from his mouth. He was so upset. <laughs> he kept accusing me of stealing the car, and I told him, wait a minute, you had my car stolen? He says, son of a bitch, it wasn't your car. It was this person. And I said, well, correct me if I'm wrong. The pink slip has my name. The registration has my name. The VIN numbers match the pink slip, and the person you said whose car belonged to never identified it. Am I correct? And he stopped. Yeah. He realized he had given me a way out. Yep. Wow. That's nuts. And so, I mean, so needless to say, back in your younger days, you were kind of you were kind of off the hinges. I mean, you were you were uh, just continuing to go down a path. I mean, clearly. I mean, you're you're a different person 40 years later, but you know, I I think this is kind of a a story of like what what young kids can get into if they're not if they don't got positive influences in their life. You know what I mean? And if they're kind of surrounded by you know a bunch of friends that just kind of you know a bunch of teenage kids can't be up to too much good. Yeah, I mean that's the truth. Yeah, no, absolutely, and, and and that's true. I mean, I always talk about, you know, now I'm a different person. I've realized the error of my ways as a dumb kid. And I was a dumb kid. I was a teenager. Started about 14 or 15. My career ended at 19. And I had positive influences. And I, I, I said, I worked at Mikey's Precision VW. I was associated with Remco, small car specialties, some of the bigger people in NHRL. 
I knew these guys. Yeah. But I chose this path because of the adrenaline rush I got from what I did. Now things are different. I, I lecture at universities about this, um, you know, positivity, rehabilitation, the things I talk about. But the, the, the point of this whole podcast was not so much to brag about what I did as a kid, but to really get to the, the origins of, of the VW scene and that particular look. And whether people like it or not, that's the truth. And that's where it came from. And look, Bill, you're a big guy in the VW world, Robert as well. I'm kind of the outcast. I'm in prison calling you guys, and I have the stories because I was there. But look, I give all respect to the, the guys who are doing it right. The German folks are doing it correctly. They have beautiful cars. Those guys are – they're on top of it. The German um, – the, there's a couple other car clubs, a German style or a Volt style, and I've seen the cars. Robert has sent me videos as well as pictures, and look, my hat goes off to them. The only thing I would appreciate is that people tell the truth. Look, if you were influenced by a particular person or a car club, say it. Say the truth. There's no reason to need to uh, talk about something that's not true. Right. And that's all I really would like to say about this. Yeah. No, I think uh, it's it, it's definitely uh, you know an origin story of kind of the beginnings of where a, a hobby starts. Because especially if there's not a lot of guys that are still there that are in the hobby from back then. And, and it's sometimes it seems like the only one talking about it is VW Kid online because he was, he was one of the few guys that's still in the scene that was around back then. You know what I mean? So it's good <laughs> yeah. to get his story corroborated. Yeah. That's why I have the song you know, like that, man. That, yeah, exactly. And he puts up the, 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 the Bugs Buddy sign, man. And, and who answers but freaking Batman himself? You know, he pissed me off and I will come out, I will come out of retirement to talk about this stuff. But another thing that we're doing, Bill, that Robert and I are, are working on together is a collective to actually put out a film. And, you know, I don't know if you have friends that are film in, in the film business, but we would like to do a docu-film about the Bugs Buddies, about the VW scene, about the retro cow look, just the entire thing. I'm actually writing a book about it. You have 60 seconds remaining. The book is called Prince of Thieves, and Robert and I are working on this together as a collaborative to try and put the story out there so people can really feel and understand what it was to be in that scene, the disco scene, the whole just the feeling of that particular time. Yeah. There's... Oh yeah, man. I, I, it's, it's like the, the, the American graffiti for the eighties. Yeah. Well, no, well, there's no, yeah. no, no question about that. I mean, there's definitely a lot of cultural influences today that were sparked off back then that have their origins uh, back in that time. And listen, Bill, I'm not even, we're not even touching on the mobile DJ scene, which is part of our, our, our team scene back well, then. Well, yeah, we'll come back and yeah, we yeah. can call, I'll call back right you know, now. We'll talk about that. Yeah, it was bands, right? Bands did the the, the weddings or bands or parties. Yeah. But like no. in seventy seventy nine the, the mobile DJ started coming to play in, in the alley area, you know, the house parties and all that. And, and they were all one of the same, you know? Yeah, there's uh, a the, lot the of Volkswagen scene. All the one of the same. Yeah, a lot of musical influence and a lot of a lot of those other uh yeah. a lot a lot of those other aspects were kicked off that were tied to not only the the Latino culture, but also the car culture and then the club scene yep. and all that stuff. It was all part of that lifestyle back then. You know what I mean? So it's so yep. it's it's all tied together. Yeah, I think it's uh you know, I think it's it's definitely great to be able to kind of get some clarification on a lot of this stuff and, and ultimately it's just to, you know, get history straightened straightened out to where it should be, you know. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and like like Bill said, man, me, I'm an adult, you know, I'm adult family guy and, and very law-abiding now. But, you know, I was a young kid growing up in South Central Huntington Park. Didn't have money. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I was enamored with these older guys, so, you know, that's what happened. Well, yeah, and in my early youth, my, uh, you know, my my history was altered by, you know, being one of the neighborhood kids and getting in quite a bit of trouble when uh, when I was younger. But luckily, you know, I, I was able to get out of that life before it got too serious for me, you know. Yeah, me too. Me but then, too, man. <laughs> it, it, you know, honestly, that's you know, the, the whole thing. You know, there's the, the, the whole process of just it, it, it's it's really comes down to growing up. Right. Because I got a lot of friends that didn't grow up and their life didn't turn out where it should have. William A. Nogueira. An inmate at the California State Prison, Corcoran, Corcoran, California. Hey, Bill. All right, buddy, you there? Yes, right. sir. So we got you on. So what we were talking about also is during that time in the late 70s, early 80s, you had you know, it, it, it's it's the whole scene that kicks off from there, right? That that has its origins and first the Hispanic culture, which bleeds into the car culture, which then bleeds into the the music culture, and then style, music, all these things merging together. Which we finally can look back at, at like the '80s, the early '80s, uh, you know, LA style of things. What do you think some of the bigger impacts or, or some impacts we can see today that were influenced by things that kicked off back then, whether it's music culture, you know, the DJ scene? We wanted to talk about that for a little bit. Like, what was what was that all about? Well, the the music scene, music has always influenced cultures, whether it be the Roadrunner scene, gang members, rap music today, reggaeton. But back then, as you mentioned, it was disco, and that has evolved. It, it, it would turn into house, techno. It turned into all these things. Um, but with us and with that scene back in the late 70s, early 80s, there was a, a lot of mobile DJs. There was um, Pegasus. Uh, there was a DJ by the name of Victor Aleman. And Victor was basically um, Electra. He was like one of the biggest yep. guys. He was the Electra DJ. And everybody in that scene knew who Electra was because they were so popular. He played the best music and he was really, you know, he's a good looking guy. His production, uh, he had a guy named Ruben that was behind him. He really pushed it. He had, he had financial backing. So it's like one of the bigger DJs today. But the thing about Victor was he was a bug's buddy. He was dating, uh, Adam and Eddie boys, uh, this call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. He was dating Liz Chacon, which was Eddie Boy Adams' sister. Mm-hmm. So we kind of brought him in. He had a beautiful 64 convertible white with a, with a black top, and then he got a notch back. So that really got us into that scene, and the flyers back then had you know special guests, Bugs Buddies, and they'd have a picture of our cars or whatever. And then he jumped to another group called Black Tie. And it really took off. And he was DJing at Fantasia and a bunch of the major hotels, the Quiet Canyons. And the VW scene just followed it. It was incredible to see the girls, the disco girls and the, the new wave girls merging together and forming this particular look that was based on that lifestyle. It really was incredible. Oh, yeah. It was the best of times, man. Best of times. And, and, and Victor had like like the Tower of Speakers. Back then, the Swim Vegas speakers were really big. 
and heavy. Yeah, the tower speakers, the lights, and you know, you know, it's crazy. Good times. And now they had over there. <laughs> yeah, they had uh, they had teen like all ages uh, dance parties and stuff like that, and club and club stuff. Yeah, it was eighteen. Well, they were more than. Yeah, eighteen and over. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And what what was the name there of the club? There was some twenty one and over, but I wasn't old enough yet to go. <laughs> what, what was the name of the club that everybody would meet up at? Oh, Geno's in, in Hollywood was an eighteen and over club. Yeah, there was a couple. There was Geno's Club Forty Seven, Quiet Canyon. Yeah, yeah. There was Elysian. There was uh, a lot of different clubs. And then, of course, when I got arrested, there was like Wings, Peppers, a lot of these different clubs. But it was a little bit different. It was the music was changing. That disco era that I'm talking about that that featured like Vivian V, um, uh, the fast like disco, like J D yeah. Hall. Yeah, Wonder Woman. Uh, there was from there it, it turned into freestyle where you had like Seabank, One More Shot, and those type of, that kind of music. But what I'm talking about is groups like Nightlife Unlimited, Lime, they had a song called My Magician. Mm -hmm. It was yeah. really incredible. I mean, it, maybe Robert can, can link and send you, and I'll, actually I'll have, I'll have someone, Bill, send you some of the music so maybe you can feature it. Yeah. But it was just incredible. It was a, it, yeah, it, so, it, so the freestyle lines. came in, the freestyle came in about 85, 86, Bill would have been already locked up, but that's when the mini trucks also came into the scene. Right. And the mini trucks were influenced by the Volkswagen guys. I mean, I, there was a club called Little Maniacs in my neighborhood, Huntington Park. I was at their first meeting when they were a butt club. And then they became into a, they became a mini truck club, but they took their alloys with them and the rag tops, they put them in the snub tops, you know, the canvas rag tops. That's all an influence from the, from the Volkswagens. Yeah, well, I mean, it, the the influence yeah. is strong because you see a lot of the early mini trucks. They've got Porsche alloys on them, and that's coming. Yeah, oh, that, no, that, absolutely. Yeah, that's coming directly from from the VW scene in it itself. Yeah, back then, man, you had to lock up your Porsches. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a you know, I, I I bought a bus from a guy here in Vegas, and the guy was in his seventies, and he said, yeah. You know, back in the day, I, you know, I, he was, he was working in LA as a mechanic. He says, yeah, I borrowed a guy's Porsche that was wrecked and I did him a favor because he made an insurance claim, but I took the motor and put it in my bus and all the stuff. So there was definitely a lot of, uh, a lot of people on the streets looking for some of those Porsches to, to borrow parts and engines and stuff from. A lot of shenanigans. Oh yeah. Especially with the Porsches. They're, they're doing number jobs on Porsches, man. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's, there's. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of that, uh, a, a lot of that culture that you see kind of going. For, and what's funny is now a lot of these guys that have stayed on the straight and narrow and 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 done their stuff and and have a life now. Now they're all having all those cars on the legit side, <laughs> you know, the Porsches and all that stuff. So it's definitely uh, it's definitely kind of come full circle. I mean, when I you know when I was a kid, getting in trouble doing that kind of stuff, I always wanted to have. 50 cars and it'd be tough to have 50 cars if they all were legit and now you know i've got a little bit of a car collection and uh i got nothing to worry about because they're all mine and it, it's just you know <laughs> it's figuring out you know i think you're still that kid mine too, man they're all mine. <laughs> I, I think you're still that kid that you want everything and you finally wise up to the point where you figure out how to do it on the up and up and really just put put that same hard work effort and energy and channel it into something that you know you can actually you know, obtain the things that you want without uh, it. But I, but I think it comes from the desire and the drive. And when you're young and you're short side, you don't see, 
you don't see any other opportunity other than to just go, you know, go get what you want. So, I, yeah, and that's and that's exactly right, right there. You immaturity is is a Mickey Ficky, right? You you want what you want, and you you want that instant gratification, and you can't. You don't. Well, you know you're supposed to go work. You're supposed to do things right and buy what you can. And and if you can't, then then you have to wait. I mean, but of course, bad influences. And look, some things influenced me uh, where I became the bad influence. I mean, hell, I think I even influenced Robert in a bad way. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> well, you know, going back to yeah, go well, going back to that, you know, like I, I got early on, I got my mechanical knowledge from taking the taking the Volkswagen apart, you know, and uh, that related to me, like, okay, well, I'm gonna go work for Mercedes Benz. And uh, I did, and I had a 27-year career with them. I was in the top top 35 techs in the nation, Master Guild, the highest level. I was ceremoniously knighted in Germany. So oh, yeah. all that knowledge in the early years, it did pay off for me, you know. And, and when when when, it, when I started to raise a family and a career and all that. Well, and so, I think I think the sooner you catch on to that, right, you, the sooner you can channel your energy into doing something, especially if you love cars. And, you know, you want to be involved in something like that. I mean, look at you, you know, you jumped in with the Mercedes, with, which is German, you know what I mean? German automotive. And uh, you get you get right in there. So, I mean, it can this work out. And your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. Well, it definitely can work out for you if if you start focusing on doing the right thing. You know what I mean? And, and, and channeling your energy into positive positive things man so i mean ultimately what we wanted yeah. to do on this episode was kind of clarify some of the origins of that style uh really what it was like back in those days in the early days of the you know uh, la puenta vw scene and uh kind of put 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 some of those pieces together so i think we did a pretty decent job of of giving some insight into what that was like and and actually it was it was actually it was a fun scene it was a fast scene but it was a pretty rough scene i would think oh for sure it was yeah i think it was and look robert hit on something very important and you did too bill that you know when we were young we did some really dumb things um i didn't have the opportunity because of my own mistakes and and the, the actions that and the consequences for those actions as you did and and robert but i wisened up you know in prison on death row where I had nothing going for me and, and now uh, things are definitely different. I, you know, I lecture the kids. I, I talk about this, these situations and what influences and actually the, 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 the prison here has just tapped my shoulder to organize a youth core uh, group to speak to kids that are on that path of making mistakes and I'm lecturing to them. So, there, there, there's positive things that come from this. My life obviously was destroyed because of my actions, but uh, I picked up the pieces. I've done good things with them, and I would ask the audience, if, if you don't mind, Bill, to you know check out my website, williamnagara.com. Also, sign up for my newsletter. I, I do a show on podcast called Death Row Diaries, right? It's a true crime show. It's a little bit different than Volkswagen's, but uh, it's me talking about true crime and about uh, serial killers. And again, it's for me, I'm trying to educate the public to keep them safe. Um, there's also a new show I'm coming up with. It's, coming, it's called Night, uh, Mind Stalker. It's on YouTube. And that's also about serial killers and um, 
because I was with them for so many years. I mean, I'd lived next door to these guys for 40 years, and I spent all my time studying them and researching them. All the, the knowledge I had in stealing Volkswagen and studying marks, I began to study killers and to educate the public on how not to be victims. Yeah, no, there's definitely uh, there's definitely a lot of good content out there. Uh, you know, William, that the the podcast you do is really interesting, especially the way you kind of have listened to several episodes as to how you you break down the the psychological uh, experiences and, and the and the yeah, different dispositions know. that some of these guys have that you're uh, that you're up there and you get the sp- and, and you're spending time with them by pure uh, you know. The, the probability of you guys being in the same place. And so it's definitely a lot of interesting content on there. And uh, we'll definitely put a link to your YouTube, uh, your YouTube videos on there. And as well as a link to your podcast for this and also your website. So if people want to reach out to you, they can well, appreciate uh, it. They can do that. Yeah. And no, I appreciate that. And, uh, and look, if they're staying in contact, I know I'm in this, in this kind of world I'm in, but I would love to come on and Robert as well, because I mean, Robert and I always talk, we're still best friends. I mean, that guy right there, no for sure well it sounds like a freaking submarine yeah that's that's, that's, i'm in i'm in i'm in in my truck robert's robert's using his sonar to get things figured out so well man guys he's scoping out (laughs) listen i appreciate you guys coming on and giving us a little bit of insight to that early the early vw scene some of the some of the, the the true background of what goes on and and sometimes the history that's just not so pretty sometimes you know what i mean but it's history nonetheless and uh if we don't recognize our history sometimes we're doomed to repeat it again so uh man I, you know i appreciate you right yeah i appreciate you guys from coming on william and uh and robert and uh we'll, we'll definitely we'll definitely do something again for sure well i'm gonna say that was a pretty interesting story and there's a lot of layers to that and uh it leaves a lot more questions out there, but nonetheless, you know, the whole point of having this podcast was just to, uh, I mean, those guys wanted to just have some time to talk about the early scene that they were involved in and what it was like back in those days. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you like it, make sure you share the podcast with a friend, post it up on your favorite sites, share the podcast and it helps the podcast grow. Don't forget to subscribe. So you get notified every time there's a new podcast up and until next week, guys, Later. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. It's got everything that people who like the bug like. <laughs>